We don't we don't chase assignments or jobs at this point. I'm not particularly interested in going out pitching right now. We do have some wonderful ideas, but I'm really interested in this in this business where I we can predict we can take a screenplay and give you the same quality of data or better that you would get from a test screening of the finished film. So yeah. so it and, can save and you. It's really fascinating to to see to see that in action. You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs, but there's so much more to this story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huberman. All right, you're listening to Hawk Talk. I'm here today with Bob Zutiker and Noni White. How are you guys? We're really well. I'm so happy about this rain. Mm -hmm. I'm Oh, yeah. with joy. My God. Yeah, for, all, for the people yeah. in LA today. It, it, I agree with you. It, I, it came in last night and I started hearing it. And I'm like, oh, it's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my yeah. rain dances worked because I'm quite a dancer. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. So that's what you're doing this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, to kick it off, I uh, always like to start from the very beginning. So, I assume you guys were born. You both probably in unison came out and yelled, Sanctuary, or something along those lines. And that's how you kicked off your film career, right? So insightful. <laughs> that's yes. what I'm told. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't recording at the time. Oh, okay. So, you got into the recording side of it later. Right. Just the writing started right away. Well, it's funny. <laughs> so, my, my real origin story, or the way from the way way back. So I'm, I stuttered as a child and I'm highly dyslexic, didn't read a book all the way through till I was 20. And yeah. I grew up to be a screenwriter and an actress and a voiceover actress. So, you know, yep. that's proof that anything can happen. <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah. The, the, the path, and that's frankly what this podcast has shown is like the path to where people end up yeah. is so unpredictable, so alienier. Like it's, it's crazy. Like, where you you cannot predict where a kid's going to end up. It's just no, what ends true. up happening later in life. It's very, very, very rare that it's that kid that picked up that instrument at four years old and just stuck with it or, you know, basketball or whatever it is. Like, that's not usually the case. It's usually a lot of random stuff along the way. I'm so glad to, I'm glad to hear we're not outliers <laughs> that way. And also, no. I, wanted, I, I wanted to act since I was a little girl, and I never thought that could happen. I didn't have any yeah. training or anything, but I went to visit my my dearest friend's sister in uh, Madrid when I was in my mm -hmm. mid-20s and she was going, she was working for a dubbing director named Senor Santigosa, who used to chase us around the dubbing studio. <laughs> he never caught any of us. But anyway, so she said, do you want to dub films into English? I said, sure, I'd love to. So I did that for a while. And then she said, oh, I'm going to a commercial audition. You know, do you want to come with me? I said, sure, I'll, I'll tag along. And then she said, why don't you you know, why don't you audition? I said, because I, I don't speak Spanish fluently. She said, it's just the name of a drink. You just say, casera. And that's what I did. And I got the job. And <laughs> now it's a free plug for casera, whatever that may be. Yeah, we should there look it up is. and see if it still exists in Spain, because that was a while ago. But yeah. yeah. To rewind a bit, I'm curious, Noni. So where are you from? Where are you originally born? I, I was born in L.A. I married a yeah. native woman. He did, indeed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Where? I even went to LA High, which I dropped out of at 15. There's probably more information than anyone needs to know. But um, yeah, I'm a high school dropout. I'm just, uh, I really am an outlier for sure. That's awesome. And so tell me more about your parents. Like, what was the upbringing like? What were you born into? Like, what were your parents doing? My father was a Hebrew scholar who became 
a vegetarian and an atheist because he was studying to be a rabbi, very religious family, when his first wife and child died in childbirth. My mother was a very free spirit. She was an artist. She was so wise and so beautiful. And, and so they met at a lecture when she was 23 and he was 40. And they, they fell in love. And then he died when I was four. So oh, wow. that, that was that. So she raised me and my brother by herself. And, um, and it was a great childhood, except for the enormous heartbreak. I had a great, great childhood. Growing up in L.A. was great. Yeah, no, LA was, it was a magical time in LA. So yeah. how was your childhood? Like, what do you, where were there hints? You said you wanted to be an actress. Where, where did you act in school plays or like, where did that come from? No, that's the other thing. I stuttered. So I stuttered till I was 10 and there was this acting coach that lived around the corner from us. And my mom said, why don't you go see her? And she taught me two tongue twisters and had me memorize at 10 years old Portia's speech from the Merchant of Venice. Mm-hmm. And I stopped stuttering. And wow. so, yeah. Cured by Shakespeare. Cured by, no, <laughs> cured by Betty Botter bought some butter. If you ever want to look that one up, <laughs> I can still do it. Can it's you written. do it? Sure. It's, Betty Botter bought some butter, but she said this butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. So she bought a bit of butter better than the bitter butter to make her bitter batter better. So it was better. Betty Botter bought a bit of better butter. Wow, I bet you didn't expect that. I was I think I would develop a stutter trying to say what you just said. <laughs> yeah, it's all true. Yeah. It's true, true, true. So then so then from getting that commercial, I thought, God, maybe I could act. You know, I was in Europe traveling by yeah. myself and I came back and I went into an acting class that John Voigt was actually in. And there huh. were really wonderful people in that class, really wonderful actors. And um and then I, I landed the first voiceover job that I ever went on, and, and that was great. And, and what was that? We, we were, well, you, you need you to remember what it was. Um, yes. It was Ramada Inns. It was five spots. And I thought Again, it was. Again, a free plug. I'm telling you. Yeah. I think they're gone, aren't they? No, no. Oh, but anyway, so, so I just. <laughs> there goes the plug. <laughs> they're, they're somewhere in the Midwest. But so I just thought it was a session fee, which was a lot because I was working temp as a secretary all around. And oh. and I lived in this little garage apartment. I got this really thick envelope and I opened it up and it was all these checks. And so by the time I got up to the top of my stairs, I was laughing and crying. It was, you know, several thousand dollars, which was a yeah. lot. And uh, and that was in surprise money. You didn't know it was coming from the royalties, I take it? Yeah. So they, they ran it all summer long and there were five spots. So I, I just, yeah. I didn't know anything about voiceovers. I thought you just got the session fee. But that's that's for non-union, not for union. So yeah. yes, it was great. And, and uh, so then you decided, I think I'm going to do more of this yes, after you got those, happened. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we awesome. met as husband. We were cast as husband and wife in a play for LA Theater so that's how we met. But you need his origin story because his is really interesting. Yeah, no, let's hear it. So, Bob, <laughs> again, aside from playing Quasimodo in your delivery room. Well, I was born bald and um, yeah. very A lot precocious, of people are. Right. <laughs> and, uh, or so I'm told. So I was born in Boston. Uh, my parents were I, an older brother, younger sister. And my father worked for, you know, a bunch of jobs, but a depression baby. Both of them were depression babies. And, uh-huh. and he got a job with, a, with Sylvania, which was in the computer business back then also early on. So this is the early sixties. We left Boston uh, and moved to Germany and then bounced around Europe. It was sort of like being a, an army brat. 
And I frequently went to the American Army schools because he was servicing computers that they had sold to the U.S. Army. So there was a computer was called Moby Dick, which stood for Mobile Digital Computer. It was in, I think, two or three semi-trailers and had a lot less power than any given phone from (laughs) 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, there was something special. So we would live... So I learned German and French on the street and uh, went to German public school for a while and international school, but mostly the U.S. Army schools, which were very mixed. Talk about science, because that's one of my favorite parts. Oh, at the German public school, the science class was, this was fifth grade. The science class was twice a week, we would go walking in the fields and woods for about three hours. And Mm -hmm. the whole class, and we would just talk about what we saw. It was really spectacular. I would say funny enough, I went to a similar type of school here in Ojai that would, it was on 150 acres of oak trees. And a lot of times they would have Valley. Was it happy Valley? Thatcher. It it was Oak Grove, but which happy Valley was the high school too, until they switched to Besson Hill and Oak Grove launched their own (gasps) high school. Oh, wow. How wonderful. Yeah. 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 They'd literally do the same thing. Go for a walk for a little while. And it may have really stuck with me because still when we walk and we walk, we're in the Hollywood Hills. We walk a lot. Um, we do owl walks at night. Yeah. And I, awesome. I, I just have an eye that seems to be attuned to wildlife uh-huh. and, and bugs and birds and bugs. Whereas I could have a couple of front teeth missing, come home and you'd say, have you done something with your hair? So <laughs> yeah, there, I, I have many That's blind spots. notices and things he does. I have wonderful powers of perception and giant blind spots so like being born bald it's a very common thing (laughs) (laughs) and then uh, we moved back uh, to the states in new hampshire for eighth grade then moved to the dc area for 11th and 12th grade then i went to tiny liberal arts college st john's college in annapolis maryland and went had a wonderful experience there all four years and uh, they have a campus in santa fe and while i was in college I would do the school plays starting in high school. I have no idea why. Okay. And there was an interest in it, but it wasn't like, I'm going to do this as an adult. It was just like, I'm going to do this right now. I, I, I never had a concept of it as a, as a career. And yeah. then while I was in college, somebody said, you know, there's a summer stock theater in Roanoke, Virginia. Why don't you, they're having auditions. Why don't you audition? So I auditioned and got the job. And mm-hmm. um, as a character actor, I showed up in the summer, the first summer, and the first show, I think, was Anything Goes, a heavy tap dance show. And there was a a choreographer there from New York, and she said, okay, step, shuffle, change, ball, change, ball, change. And and everybody started doing it, and they had these funny shoes on that made sounds. I had never seen tap dancing before, and it really freaked me out because I was supposed to perform that in a couple weeks. Freaked them out, too. Freaked them out, too. (laughs) So I was delighted to go to my dressing room in dress rehearsal and find that they had removed the taps from my shoes so that I wouldn't screw up the sound. <laughs> so, but so, you still got to be in the play. Yeah, no, and, and we so, did that's Pinter and, yeah. and other, other yeah. stuff. And uh, adapt sometimes. then I was invited to New York City to act. I, I, I guess I have a career by invitation only. <laughs> uh, people <laughs> just invite me to do it. So I've never studied anything that I've done. Yeah. But and a lot of our writing career was by invitation of yeah, very much so, very much so, for better or for worse. Uh, (laughs) And uh, while I was 
Yeah, go ahead. Real quick, Bob, to take it back a second. Did you have other thoughts of what you might be when you grow up as a kid? Like, did you have other pursuits? Like, this was fun, but I think I'm going to do this. It never occurred to me that I needed to make a a choice about anything. Um, I, I was, we were, you know, a solid middle-class family. So I had scholarships and worked through, through college, came Uh out with no debt, which is huge. And so I was able to live on nothing. I just knew how to live on nothing and worked in New York city. And then I, I thought, you know, I need to write. I don't know why I thought I was supposed to be writing. I had never done it before, but, and uh, I had experienced Santa Fe, New Mexico, chasing a girl from St. John's who had transferred to, to Santa Fe. Yeah. And so I ended up going out there intending to write, but kept doing the movies that would come through, ended up producing plays, living off the box office. Again, very, very meager. Living, living. on nothing. <laughs> but it, it never occurred oatmeal. to me that I was missing anything. Yeah, New York, I would live on oatmeal and I'd, I would not use butter. I would use salt. I didn't want to get used to the luxury of butter. Okay. And um, so it was so really, funny. but I felt no sense of deprivation or um, yeah. that, that I was missing something. You were happy. Yeah. Well, so you're, was, if you're not funny. comparing yourself to what other people have, you can be happy in that moment. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's right. In that's each right. moment of your life. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, and then I produced a Three Penny Opera production in Santa Fe that was almost really, really good. <laughs> and it was just that that delta, the almost that made me realize I had are you chimping me? I am. Thank you. <laughs> made me realize that I needed to go to a bigger place. So I moved to LA. And then I, I think I got a job on Hill Street Blues. Yeah. We um, just watched it. It yeah. came up. I don't know how you found it. I don't it was very random it's, anyway. Uh, yeah. it, it's, you said it found you. <laughs> and I just started working mostly TV, some movies also. And what kind of work? I would do TV episodes. I called myself Mr. Exposition. So I would get these jobs where, you know, I would be the scientist that explains, well, if the plane drops below 5,000 feet, the barometer will set the bomb off. Those sorts of <laughs> explanations to the, yeah. to the lead. But, that, but actually, your last job was Arnold Schwarzenegger in Total Recall uh, drove a bolt through Bob's neck. He did. That was that, rude. That, that was, it was that, rude. Yeah, that was Bob's yeah. swan song. Yeah, that was the <laughs> At that point, we, we shot that in Mexico City, which was a great experience. And, yeah, that's a great uh, spot. Great art, best <sighs> food in the world. It was yeah, really, the weeks down there was wonderful. Incredibly but, underrated city. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, Noni came with me, and we had already pitched Newsies. Um, We had Noni, we met doing that play that Noni mentioned. And then Noni invited me into a writing group. Called Uh, the Writer's Block. Yeah. uh, There was something subsequently that was a commercial venture, but this was just a bunch of mostly actors turning writer. And, you know, actually, I did it mainly because... You know, when you go in to read, they'll say, well, will you do this scene? And since I'm dyslexic, I just wanted to, you know, use that muscle that I could just have something thrown at me that I would have to read out loud. Because sometimes when that happens to me, I go back, not that I stutter, but I go back to that feeling. And so I just wanted to kick its butt. It was a particularly incredible group. So 
phenomenal. Uh, Noni invited me. I came. And then she wrote something that was especially beautiful that was... It's about uh, my mother yeah, dying it, when my mother was dying. And it was uh, more in the form of an exercise that we would do. And otherwise, you would schedule work to be read. You would get the most amazing sight readings that we've ever seen. And, and so, and, may, and, may I tell the real story, or I probably should? No, I was going to tell an abbreviated version. Oh, okay. She do, asked do if it. I wanted to write with her, and I said no. No, I, I had written a couple of plays that were never finished to my satisfaction, so I thought I was something great. And so, and, and so, I said, <laughs> "Well, you know, may, a, may, may I ask you why?" Such an ass. And he, he said, "He said, well, I, I don't think you're at my level." Yeah. So. And I said, and I channeled my mother instead Once of again, saying, you know the, what, to him. Those blind so I, I just channeled my mother and I said, you know, if you don't want to write with me, that's fine. I said, but don't you dare tell me I'm not at your level. I said, because I could have been writing for the past 20 years and not have any talent whatsoever. And I could have just begun and I, I, I may have something to bring here. So then a couple of weeks later, your parents told you a story. Yeah, my father discovered my mother had a secret bank account. And uh, and and also there was another story where he, he super glued this finger to, to, one, of his uh, to one of his teeth by accident, which is... How does that happen? I, I, I never got the full story because he couldn't talk very well. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, to Harvey. Anyway, we... Uh, we ended up writing both of them as episodes, sample episodes for the Golden Girls or... And Cosby. Cosby. Oh, we're, we wrote them as samples. And no, then, no, no. And, and then we wrote two spec scripts. Also, Bob had written stuff, but he hadn't finished anything before we met. And I'm like the get her done girl. I'm like, you know, that's, that's my thing. And he is, you are such an amazing storyteller. And, and we don't laugh. No, and, no, and, I'm and, just and thinking you, that, but I could go on and on and perfecting something forever oh my god <laughs> and, so when we first started writing together we had this little 10 by 10 office in, in a building on santa monica and fairfax and he would be on his stomach with a yellow pad writing 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 outlining again it's and like again and again. i'd say you know can't we just have this baby can't we just and really my favorite script which we still own thanks i, I mean we may never be able to get it made because it's expensive but um I just said, okay, this time we're going to close our eyes and jump. We're not going to outline. We're gonna, it was a, based on a short story by Mark Twain. And and it's my favorite script that we've written. So, I don't know. It's good. It's, I just read yeah, it. Yeah, we just um, read, read it. for a long <laughs> time. James Cameron, he likes to spend money on movies. You get it, mate? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah. think so, too. I mean, you know, I, I always, I, I dream the impossible. Listen, I, I envision Newsies on Broadway for yeah. a quarter of a century when I was told again and again that it would never happen. So, yeah. so I don't know why I thought I could write or that I was hot really, shit. Well, you really and, are, and, and you and, really could. But why I thought I, but I knew I should be doing that. The more I acted, the less I was interested in it. Yeah. And uh -huh. I would, so I treated it the way an actor treats a job in a restaurant. Like temping like I did. You know, so I, I made a living, very lucky that way. Not a great living, but plenty for me. And and it gave me an enormous amount of time to write. And so we were pretty much in the same boat. We had the same debt level. And, we did. Um, but, you know, so I, I met this person who was a literary agent named Larry Bexie. He had an agency called The Agency. And we were friends. And so I said, you know, I'm just going to give it to him and I'm going to ask him to be brutal. You know, I those said, were the 
Cosby and Golden yeah. Girls samples. Right? And so he read them and he, I gave them to him on a Friday, on a Monday, he called and he said, we want to represent you. And I said, what? And he said, but you know, we're really not, we're not strong in the TV business. You have to write a feature. And we said, okay. <laughs> so we wrote a feature again, inv by invitation only. And uh, <laughs> so we wrote a spec and as we were finishing up the first drafts of that, there was a writer's strike. Actually, we were supposed to be on staff. On Jane Anderson. Right. Um, she's, a she's a writer. She's a half hour comedy yeah. series. She won the Emmy for Ola Kittred. She's an amazing screenwriter. And yep. the, so. But the writer's strike. The writer's strike ended that possibility, closed that door. But as we finished the feature, we wouldn't do anything with it till after the strike was over. And, and it got attention. It was optioned. It was, and it opened the door to pitching some other idea to, uh, to producers. You know, what do you mm -hmm. want to do next? And, and what, what year was this? I'm not good with years. I think it's 80, 88, 89, maybe. Okay. That's how long Yeah, ago. that's probably about right. Yeah. So then we, our agent at the time, not Larry, we brought in three ideas and said, well, what do you think of these three ideas? She said, well, what are you most passionate about? I don't remember the other two ideas. I don't either. And we said, well, it's it's this one. It's called Newsies. It's a period piece with Children, kids and it's a dark, violent, violent stories. <laughs> strike one, strike two, strike three. She said, no, pitch that if you're most passionate about it. So we should set up nine meetings with nine producers and the, the last, and they all said no. Yeah. Right. Strike yeah. one, two, three. And, <laughs> um, but the last meeting, it's always the last one. No. Well, by the, definition the, almost. True. But so. no, no. But the last one would have been with Spielberg. The next well, day. that was the studio pitch. Right. Uh, oh, but okay. there was a really great development executive for a, a producer who was passionate about the idea. She said, I'm going to make this happen. And she strong armed her boss into setting up two meetings one with Disney for Donald the Line and one for <laughs> Amblin. And Donald's meeting got scheduled first. We did the worst, longest pitch it in was history. Really? But, but, but also, it was the first time we walked on a lot as writers instead of actors. And it was so, it was really wonderful. It was exciting. And he bought it. We never did the Amblin meet. No. Wow. So and what do you then, credit that to? Do you think it was, you said it was the worst pitch. Why would he buy it? Well, well you know, because it's a phenomenal story. It's yeah. the quintessential right. David and Goliath story. Very strong characters. It was, we wrote it as a drama, even though we always envisioned it on Broadway as a musical, mm -hmm. but we didn't write it that way. And in fact, with our lawyers, we said we want to retain the theater rights because this would be a great musical. And he laughed in our faces. Our own attorney laughed in our faces. Well, he he said, didn't, but it's he, your first deal and it's Disney. It'll never happen. Yeah, but he didn't even know about the Writers Guild rules because yeah. because we got sole credit. That's why we still, thank goodness, have a piece of something we created out of whole cloth. Otherwise, yeah. we would have been, you know, hello, goodbye. And the yeah. and I found out years later because we still are. are friends with Donald, the executive, line, yeah. and uh, who's just brilliant at development. And he, I said, it was such a bad pitch. He said, well, because you were new, you know, it was good that you went through, you know, okay, then there's this shot. And now, because <laughs> yeah. then we knew you could execute. And because yeah. uh, we only had one sample, which was a romantic comedy. Right. So, which bought us this home that we're living once in. Once again, <laughs> there's something very powerful about utter naivete. 
and, and not yes. being aware of any particular rules. We had no concept of what we should have gone and done. Yeah. And, yeah. and so then that, well, am I skipping around? But that, the, so our, our, the script that bought us, oh, no, it was Newsies. It was off of Newsies that a guy named Charlie Fink, who worked for Disney, read our fourth, fifth draft. No, of, he read the first, first draft, draft of, of Newsies. Newsies. Okay. Yeah. And then he put us in a trailer. He was, he was head of development for Disney feature animation. Right. At the time. And so, you know, he asked if we wanted to work in animation. I said, no. Bob said, yes. We talked to our lawyer and he said, you know, it won't hurt you. It won't help you. We, we didn't realize that we're no residuals in animation. We didn't know that. Uh -huh. It's not the, at the big studios. It's not covered by the writer's guild. It's right. covered Got by it. a different union. Yeah. And the, but I really loved the project, uh, Jerry Herman. Yeah, uh, it you was. Know, of, 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 oh no, I finally caved. Yeah, and yeah. and and the director was Rob Minkoff, and who was one of the directors on Lion King, and that's how we got onto the Lion King. Right. So we developed this incredible piece, I have to say, that never went, and but that opened the door to then working on Lion King. We only were on Lion King for a very short time. And what kind of work did you do on Lion King? Uh, we did all the Mufasa Simba stuff in the first act. We did other stuff as well. But, you know, we yeah. wrote the, you know, they were saying, you know, they're, the lions eat everything, you know. <laughs> it's like. Why, did, why are these why, animals into the lions? Oh, but the pitch was so amazing because we walked into this room. Tim Rice was there. Yeah. And uh, Roger Allers, who was the other director, they had that opening number from The Lion King. It had, it had just come in, the recording of it, and they had the storyboards of the opening and so, up on the wall. And so as they played it, Roger Allers just just did this to every, you know, every... He gave um, us the timing in this sort of dance. And, and this was for us to see if we would come work on and it. And we I, said, yes. <laughs> but what we didn't know was that everybody else was fighting to get off that project because it was such a... A mess, and and no one thought it was going to go anywhere. Uh, again, oblivious to all that. <laughs> so we did the the carnivore apology. You know, we eat the it. antelope, and the yeah. antelope eat the grass, yeah. and it's a circle of life. Yeah, yeah. And you do the like most the saddest scene in any movie in history, like the Mufasa dying scene. Was yes, that part of you guys? Bob really fought against I, that. I, I, I fought against the the milking of that, and I. It's one of those things where I turned out to be wrong. You know, I have. A very sensitive, I don't know whether to pronounce it a sapometer or a sapometer. <laughs> Something will be sappy to me way before it's sappy to the audience. Yeah. So I have to watch that. Well, but also, you know, my father died when I was four. So that scene to me is really yeah. meaningful. It's really, really something. Yeah. So, but it, yeah, there's a new viral video going around about uh, like someone in their like late 30s, early 40s that grew up around the Lion King showing it to his daughter and her like watching her face through the whole scene and just filming her watching wow. the scene. And it's just, yeah, it's yeah. It, it's crazy how impactful that is to a three and four year old, too. Yeah. 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 Well, and, you know, and, excuse me, but Bambi, my mother took me to Bambi yeah. when I was a little, little girl and it destroyed me. I mean, that was yeah. really, it's like, what? Yeah. So this, I just want to check in with you. Is this the sort of thing you is, had is in mind? Honestly, again, it's just hearing how you guys ended up in this and like the sort of serendipity, like you got this introduction, you got Newsies, but which got you into the Lion King. And so this is what I'm trying, like, this is what it is for the audience, et cetera, is like, how does this even happen? How do you end up with the credits you guys have? Like a lot of people see the destination, they never see the journey. And that's what this is all about is like, oh, that's this, so great. Well, yeah, that, that 
is literally what the podcast is on. So this is great. Um, well, we we have no real affinity for animation. No real oh, affinity I love for, animation, for musicals. But... Oh, yeah. that's not true. Of you me. know, okay, yeah, no, no, no maybe that's where it is. I mean, you know, that's how this happens. But, yeah, but to then be, but as creators of those things, yeah, uh, no, but we fell in love with the process of making these big animated features. I'm telling you, being around a table in a room with the directors and the head of story and frequently board, board artists, artists and, and the producers, it is one of the most magical experiences you know when it's working and we were really blessed to uh tom schumacher who's the head of disney theatricals once said to us you guys heal the room which i thought was very nice so yeah. Yeah. i don't know how the hell we do that so but. we we would come in and at a certain point they would only bring us in if there was something wrong and uh <laughs> the fixers what well, well what i was going to say on tarzan that there was some difficulty we, you know we would write a scene then it gets handed off to the board artists and in a perfect world, they up it, give it back to us, we up it. It's this really, it's like an improv, yes and, yeah. yes and. And yeah. we were having trouble getting it to the board artist or, or getting it understood by the head of story, actually, who's really an amazing guy and very talented. So, And I was reading Chopra at the time, Seven, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And no, so well. when we go down the hill every day or, you know, four or five days a week for meetings, Instead of things saying, why is he being such a butthead? I just said, okay, how can we be of service? How can we just put ourselves in a say, place? How can we help these people? How can we help these people? Because I would get a little steamy. He would. Um, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It, it is hard. But, but, but it was, it was but it so make exciting better. and gratifying yeah. at the same time. Yeah. yeah. I remember when we were doing... Uh, Brenda Chapman was head of story on Lion King, which was a very difficult job because the story went through so many permutations. And then she was, she wanted to just be a board artist on Hunchback. So we knew her well. So when we knew we were going to be writing a scene with uh, Esmeralda and Frollo in the cathedral, we went to her and said, okay, let, let's just talk about how do we see it? Where are they standing? Where's the light source? What's anything? And so she went away to... Well, and then you and she agreed that he would come up behind her. Yes. And because that was creepy to women. It might I'll or say. might not have occurred to me. <laughs> and functionally, it's a rape scene. You know, it, it is a, he is having these lustful thoughts that he can't deal with. And she knows exactly he's what he's thinking. Yeah. And, and, and then at one point, he sniffs her hair. He's got her in an arm lock from behind. And he just he just inhales her essence. He just puts his face in her hair and just I could have sworn we wrote that. It was so brilliant. <laughs> I was sure we had written it. We did not. We did not. Brenda <laughs> that did. was Brenda. But 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 the but the amazing thing about that scene too, because people say, Oh well are you writing to a certain audience? No. We never condescend to our audience. We tell a great story. And and in that scene, because people, we were talking about, is that too creepy? Is it too sexual? Is it too weird? But and but it was left in, thank goodness. And then when an old friend of Bob's took her 10-year-old to see it, when that was happening, he leaned over to his mom and he said, oh, mom, close. He just wiped his nose in her hair. So the kid gets it where he's at. Yeah. You know, and 
we get it where we at. He knows it's creepy. He knows it's wrong, but he yeah. doesn't think it's sexual. Yeah, he, he's which just, is the brilliance of a lot of these kids' movies is exactly yeah. that. It's yes. the adult it resonates with and the kids, but on different levels, but that's exactly. great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always say that Hunchback is a story of sexual obsession and genocide for five-year-olds. But it is. Yeah, by invitation, yeah. you know, Rob invited us to Lion King. Then we were invited to work on Hunchback. Then we were invited to work on Tarzan uh -huh. and then um and then several subsequent projects right so. yeah and yeah. then we also and then we did something oh Anastasia we were invited to yep. work on that too right. we, were, we worked on that for three weeks right and we got shared credit I mean we did a lot but we were stunned that we yeah. shared credit on that film yeah true. yeah so um, yeah, it, it's at a certain point, Disney would call us in when the process was broken in some way. So you have to be able to deliver the pages and the scene. And but there's a huge machine that's being fed. Yeah. And you have to it's what are they called? Yeah. Feeding the beast or Feeding the monster? Yes, or that's exactly like that. right. So it's a production process with these very at a certain point, highly paid, brilliant artists. Phenomenally gifted. Who, like on Tarzan, were waiting for material when we came on. Yeah. And yeah. so we had to really, you know, the other, you know, take the time to rework the story because it was, the story was heading in a direction that was. Adventure. Yeah, yeah. it was not wanted. A brilliant writer, Tad Murphy. We followed him on Hunchback and on Tarzan. Yeah. Hunchback was very Lovely stable, guy. very close to what he did. Tarzan, he had started with a much more action adventure. Yeah. mindset it, it seemed to, to us and when they asked us into to work on that we said well what do you think it's about because we just read the novel which is the most horrific racist classist you have sexist, no idea you know screed I, I i've ever seen and the and they were silent and then kevin lima one of the directors said it's about family it's about identity and we said okay we're in you know, we're, 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 you know, yeah. we'll get behind that. And, you know, the other yep. thing, so we would, we would be hired for six weeks and we were on Tarzan for 15 months. Or so. Yeah. Oh, and wow. the, but the other thing I think that, that we brought to it that I, I hope, and I've, I've, I've told young writers to do this too, that if, if you're getting a note, if you can find a way to have them, to have them understand what you're saying without, you know, getting annoyed about it and, communicating it in a different way where you're still getting your point across or, you know, whatever the, the, the arc of the scene is, yep. that's the way to do it. So we, we really do play well with others almost always. There would always be something askew in the larger collaboration. So our job really was to come in and think, okay, how can we Help provide, people. because the, the script is the unifying principle. Everyone can look at the script and say, this is what we're making. And yeah. if the script is unstable, it's, it's going to be a problem. And so, so I got to ask, have yeah. you seen the movie Elf? Yeah. Yeah. You, you're, it reminds me of Peter Dinklage's character. They're trying to figure out this children's book. They can't, so they call the fixer to come in and help them figure out the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, we worked with the, one of the producers on that, so that makes perfect uh, sense. John Burr. Yeah, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Very classic. Yeah. 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 And so I'm curious, like, you, you both don't see, you never got into this for like, a lot of people get into acting and get into writing for this, the glamour of it, the, you know, the I've made it kind of finish line. It sounds like, there, there, this wasn't ever about that. This was just like, you like, you kind of, a lot, in some ways, you knew you liked it. You kind of fell into it. You kept going with it, kept your passion. And 
Was there a point where you felt like, quote, you made it or has it just been all along the way? You're just doing the kind of moving to the next thing. No, for really for us, I think that when when we began writing together, it was, you know, we were I, I was having to do other jobs to make a grown up living when I was acting. And you did too. Although you were still in the top 5% of sad. I know, which is really earners, sad. But, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but where was I going with that? Oh, but when we began writing, it was, as, it was as if the heavens opened up for us. I mean, we, we were living in a 350 square foot apartment in West Hollywood. We were able to buy this home in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. We still inhabit, you know? And so I really do feel like had we made it, it, it was just, it was so nice to, just to be able to go to Africa, go to Bali, go to, you know, um, yeah. have our child and, and be able to pay for his education as Bob's parents did when it was only 10 grand a year to go to college, right. you know, instead of 70, now, whatever. Now they know how old I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, when I went, to, I went to Arizona 14 years ago and my tuition was only eight grand a year. Like that's only 14 years. Like I did that, that to me, I, I, I'd say only maybe other people don't think that's people think it's a long time ago now, but were, were you a resident? Were you of a Arizona? resident of Arizona? No, I was oh, out of state. In state was 2000. And I'm telling you, it is, it is part of the degradation of our society. I, that I people teach at, can't get an education. I teach at USC now. And, and it's, it's <laughs> my brother went to USC. It was a different animal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's also you know, nine years. It, young. it was, because I carry such natural glamour in my normal state. No, the glamour never has, has never been very comfortable to me. I, I don't tune into it. It's also not something that writers often participate in, you know, in the, the way the business is structured. So it's yeah. not, there's this yeah. one story. That's fair. Uh, which one? Going down the red carpet for Tarzan. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, it, and then it, I was going to say something else, but go on. Will you retain? Because you love that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 do. I find it fascinating. It was the opening of Tarzan. They'd closed Hollywood Boulevard. We're walking down uh, the with sidewalk the with uh, Kevin Lima and, and Chris Buck and, and their wives. Brenda Chapman is married to Kevin Lima. And, the, and ahead of us is Minnie Driver looking really glamorous. And there are bleachers, as I recall, of yeah. journalists, photographers, and paparazzi. And you could hear the shutters, you know, yeah. going. And it was really palpable and loud, which also probably dates the story because I don't know if you can still hear shutters that way. And <laughs> and the and then we had to go down the red carpet. None of us thrilled about it. Well, and, no, we um, were just going to see the film. Yeah, we just had to go in. And all the lenses turned off Mini Driver as one and pointed at, at us, the six of us. And then yeah. one of them called out, Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! You know, oh. and, and our son says, and we all relax. Yeah. So <laughs> our son said something to me a couple of years ago, and he said, "He said, Mom, I know where you come from." He said, "You come from your heart," and and I and I really do. That's what that's what leads the way for me, and that's that's where my passions and and you're. You're more, certainly God knows, more educated than I am and much better read than I. But you are more intellectual than I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I'm that I'm lacking intellect. But but I really, you know, I'm ADD. I'm kind of boing, boing, boing. So the two of us together make a very nice team. Because I, I can track really well. Mm-hmm. And so well, sometimes I could wear a groove for myself. Really? And not see out of it. Noni doesn't track at all. So that, that <laughs> all. chaos will sometimes just knock me out of that groove. <laughs> it's and, like, oh. Uh, 
Oh yeah, that's so oh, we're writing something. So I just feel I, I feel like we've been really blessed, and and most of our experiences have been spectacular. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I I feel. But I, just... I never felt like we had made it. Well, I don't, I, I don't know what surprise. that means. Yeah. Well, and you know, the, when um, when our screenplay sold, uh, our we were the last, our friend David Chap, whom we just honored last night, he passed away 20 years ago. But his was the first screenplay to sell during this um, bidding war craze. And ours was the last. Because then, which war was that? The first Gulf War. First Gulf War. Closed then, the capital so, markets. So it closed that. So we um, sold the script at two, and the Gulf War started at four. Yeah. And everything wow. shut down. Yeah. You know, Wall Street basically pulled back. Yeah. The studios all pulled back financing. And, and that mm-hmm. ended that round of script uh, acquisition frenzy. But then I think it was McGuire or Craig Jacobson. I don't remember. Well, one of our lawyers said, you guys are on the A. Or maybe it was Holman. Uh, I don't know. said, you guys are on the A-list. And I said, what's the A-list? He said, you're on the A-list of writers. And I said, wow, that's really nice. But I didn't think, wow. No, I, I guess yeah. I don't go there that much. Yeah. And the connections that we've made, I'm a big thank you note writer. I really, I stay in touch with people. I, it's how I was raised. In fact, we were, we were flying back from, was it uh, Newsies at the paper mill? Yeah. Yes. And I was, so when Disney would fly us, they, they'd fly the two of us first class. But if it was- This three, is working in theater, theater. Uh, which a different yeah. financial structure, uh, trying to get Newsies off the ground as a uh, as a play. You know, they do it out of town, yeah. which is what they do. But so they'll only give us, if our son was coming and he was, I don't know, 10 or 11 at the time, they'll do two coach tickets and one first class. So they gave, yeah. they always put me in- in first class because I have legs and our son does too, but he didn't then because he was much younger. He was much younger, but I still don't have legs. I'm all legs. Um, but anyway, so so I sat next to this guy and I'm writing notes and he said, may I ask what you're doing? I said, I'm writing thank you notes. And he said, nobody writes thank you notes anymore. And I said, well, I do. That's how I was raised. So and, she was writing the cast and crew of Newsies. Um, Just to say, you know, what I like, how full my heart was, how wonderful it was, how amazing they were. And he turned out to be. Well, well, yeah. yeah. So, so we're doing, you know, the, the flight attendant thinks we're married. We're sharing food. We talked about (laughs) everything, religion, politics, everything. And, And at one point I said, may I ask what, what you do? And he said, I'm the head of Macy's Parades and Entertainment. And I said, oh, my God. I said, is that fun? He said, I love my job. And Somewhere and, in the middle of that, she brought me one cookie back uh, to coach. It was the only cookie I got. Hello. So anyway, <laughs> stop complaining. So so as we're exiting the plane, uh, Robin said to me, he said, who knows? He said, maybe Newsies will be in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And I said, well, from your lips to God's ear. I said, all the God's ears for that matter, because we had discussed religion. And it turned out to be that year, it was the first time they had a show in the parade that was not that currently opened. on Broadway. And and so was, and, and so I really, and, and he said, oh, that he was going to send someone from his team or he was sending someone. And so I was thought, oh my gosh, you know, maybe I was part of that happening. But Tom Schumacher, who's the head of of, uh, of uh, Disney theatricals, said, no, no, he no, said, no, work, no, no, we're we're already said we're said, okay, I don't care. We'll never know the truth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, you... um, so, so the right. connections that we have in the business come out of heart connection. Yep. We've never been really, you know, Bob has this uh, saying that some people are very efficient in the business. So they're always, you know, they're always trying to get up, get up, get up. And, you know, maybe that's a mistake we made. I don't know. But 
I don't know. We're, we're pretty we happy. Been more it's worked out all right for you guys. <laughs> yeah, no, they been, uh, yeah. yeah, but I mean, we've been very, I mean, we were very social when yeah. we were working. Yeah. Yeah. More. Yeah. So I mean, come we're back to our career moves that were mistakes. We are, though. I'm very happy now. I am too. With the work. And also I, I, I got, on. I got very, very, very seriously ill again and again. I mean, again yeah. and again. So, so when I was um, little, my brother and I had this thing, you could blow it up. It was a clown and you punch it and it would go down and come back up again. Yeah. So that's how I was feeling for. She'd get big sick. Yeah. yeah. Hard, I got, hard, I got, hard sick. I got colds. <laughs> he got, he got the colds and flu. And I got the big bad wolf. So a couple of questions. Number one, what's next? I saw they announced that you guys are working on the live action Hunchback. Uh, what else are you guys working on? Is that um, not true? No, we're not involved with that. They, yeah. the, funny, they, they see more. keeps the uh, the animation teams away from those projects for the most part. You know part. what it is? Is because it's based on the work you did before, they're yeah. giving you some credit. Well, good. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. <laughs> yeah, so then the question, let's pose the question. What's next? Well, you know, Bob has written an amazing, I think it's a spectacular middle grade novel. He's actually launching a business that is very, very exciting. And you have to finish St. Me Relax. I'm, I'm, I make him finish things. I push him. I, I knock him around. I'm a busy guy. You're a busy guy, but you have trouble finishing things. And I'm writing prose. That's what I'm doing. And I'm itching to act again. And I was actually on a walk and I met this woman who was, she said, minding our neighbor's dogs because she's Australian. <laughs> and she's an Australian actress and I love her. And I said, boy, I'd love to do a two-hander with you. She said, I'd love to do a two-hander with you. So we'll probably write something and perform it and maybe not perform it anywhere, but just do it and do it for fun. We don't we don't chase assignments or jobs at this point. I'm not yeah. particularly interested in going out pitching right now. Mm -mm. We do have some wonderful ideas. But I'm really interested in this in this business where I, I we can predict we can take a screenplay and give you the same quality of data or better that you would get from a test screening of the finished film. So, yeah. so and, it can save and you. And it's really fascinating to to see to see that in action. So uh, yeah, one of the proof of concept things that you did. Yeah, I, uh, I did a one for a, a producer. And he said, well, and he, he actually sent the quote so that I could use it was in the deck. If I had had this tool, it would have saved me $1.3 million in reshoots and ADR on this one project on this single issue. So he might uh, be onto something. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, sounds like a great project. Yeah. And last question for anyone else trying to pursue their dreams, like go into the, what they're passionate about and be able to create a living out of it. What's one piece of advice you'd either would give, wish you had, did have that really helped you guys get through this and, you know, pursue it? Well, you know, for me, I'm just as I am a dreamer. And, you know, even when my father passed away, when I finally realized he was dead because I was five by then. Because uh, he had just come back from this long trip when he passed away. I just, I, I always knew everything was going to work out. And I didn't know how. But somehow, you know, I think I was born with a happy gene. My dear brother who just passed away was not, uh, unfortunately. But so I've always had very big dreams. And I always thought things would work out. And, and, and I don't, I, I'm not sure how. It really wasn't until I started teaching that I really understood how, I guess you call it lucky, how lucky we were. Yeah, in, and naive in, in getting ways. rolling, and and I would advise someone to maintain the naivete and focus on on good work. Do do good work, and and I don't know what else 
what else to advise someone? It's there's so many people who have the ambition and want, as you say, the glamour or the place right. or that validation, and and they may attain uh, that, too. and they may get there, yeah. and but it but sure, that's empty. It sure helps a lot to be able to do good work and yeah. to learn to know how to bring the best of yourself and get the best of others in the process. Beautifully put. You know, I, I, I was to. I should be a writer. You should be. <laughs> um, so th- there's there's someone we've been working with who I think is really an interesting guy. He's he's a has a PhD in psychology and neuroscience and you know all kinds of stuff. But um, he was saying, you know, what do you want? What do you want, Noni? And I said, well, I really, you know, I really want to touch people. I, I want to reach people. I want to make them think and laugh and you know. And he said, you've already done that. He said, how long do you need to be in the water? before you know you're wet. And it was such a gift he gave me because I thought, wow, yeah, I mean, we, we have accomplished wonderful things, but I think I'm looking out into our backyard. And it's not only the rain, but everything's wet. I mean, we're made of a lot of water and blood and fluids and, and you know, all the things we drink, you know, there's there's water everywhere and, and water is the ocean is my heartbeat. So, and And I went through a long period where I really couldn't look at the business. I really couldn't, I just was burned. I was burned out. on it and that was really difficult and damaging not permanently damaging Uh in what way oh you mean to our career to our career certainly yeah and but it was part of the journey yeah it's it brought uh, you to this and i don't know that i don't know if we would have been you know working hand over fist if you if zutica would have come to you i don't know you know you you don't know it's kind of like i don't know i i always also think that everything that I've been through, including a horrible first marriage, brought me to this. You were married? Yeah, yeah. but I was a virgin. No, but I mean, I'm crazy <laughs> about it. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the other guy? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you what? learn so much in these podcasts. <laughs> yeah, say, yeah, they're very educational. So I hope we've been of help. No, of and, course. No, Bob, no need. This has been an absolute pleasure. And thank you yeah, for coming I, on Talk Talk. Thank you. It's been such a delight. Thank you. Thank you. Great to see cool. you. You've been listening to Hawk Talk. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think this podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.